Greetings in that precious name of Jesus, the one who we were singing about. We have decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. No turning back. Appreciate what was all shared already this morning in the devotional and the Sunday school lesson. Goes along very well with the message that uh, we have for today. You know, the title of the message is My Best Friend. My best friend with a question mark on the end. My best friend. Now think of what Jesus said. He said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Recently I was at a family reunion, uh, extended family. There was a subject came up about addictions. And uh, the man beside me, he was... He asked me a question. He said, what's the most powerful destructive addiction that we face today in America today? And he wanted me to answer that question, and I, I thought about it a little bit, and I, my mind went to, to drugs. I thought, well, you know, meth and painkillers and that fentanyl or whatever they call the, the elephant drug, those are pretty pretty prevalent, so I said something about that, and then I, I thought of alcohol and all the destruction that it has in on America and on families, and then my mind went to gambling. I had a friend that was <clears throat> addicted to gambling, and he said, there's, there's nothing that you wouldn't sell, even your own children, to get more money to gamble, and his answer was no. The strongest addiction in America today is the one in your pocket. The one in your pocket. He said it's destroying more lives, marriages, families, churches than anything else today. And I might add souls. It's destroying more souls. Then he looked at me and he knew I was a minister and he said, when's the last time you heard a message about your smartphone. I didn't really remember. He said, why, <clears throat> why don't you preach about it? So that's my burden here this morning. As I stand before you, I think of the words in Ezekiel, and you don't have to turn there, but it, uh, it talks about a watchman blowing the trumpet, sounding the trumpet, when he sees danger coming. And it says something to the effect that, you know, if, if, if the blood, um, let me just turn to that so I can get it right. It says, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchmen, if when he seeth the sword cometh upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and he took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. 
So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he did not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And, you know, the, the idea this morning is that we would take warning and it would deliver our soul from the danger that's out there. You know, in our, in our men's meeting, February men's meeting, we have an accountability set up where we give an account to our brother in how we have used the internet and our phone in the past year. And, you know, as we went around the circle and we each give an account, I realized that we have a problem. I have a problem. It's here among us. It's in America today, and it's in our church today. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get out your cell phone if you have it with you. If you have, whoever has their cell phone, I want you to, to get it out. I'm thankful that we don't typically have our cell phones out. But, you know, I look at the front of it, and I look at the back of it, and I'm going to talk to my phone a little bit. I'm going to ask it something. Are you my best friend? You can ask yours. Is that your best friend? Why do I spend so much time with you? Why do I spend so much time with you? Would I ever leave home without you? And if I do, would I not turn back around and go get you? Don't I always tuck you in a few minutes or seconds before I go to sleep? I tuck you in and plug you in before bedtime. And I check you as soon as I get out of bed. Make sure to check you to see if you're doing okay and what you have to say to me. Even through the night. If I wake up, do I make sure that you don't have something to say to me? And throughout breakfast, lunch, dinner, and at work, I'll check in on you to make sure that you, my friend, don't have something to say to me. Are you my best friend? Then I asked the, my phone a few more questions. Will you ever leave me or forsake me? Will you guide me into all truth? Will you be my comforter? Will you give me joy unspeakable? Will you lead me beside the still waters? Will you restore my soul? Will you walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death? Will you comfort me? Will you offer me goodness and mercy all the days of my life? Will you promise to dwell with me forever? Are you my best friend? And if my cell phone could speak to me, no, he is not my best friend. Who is my best friend? And we've already heard about the one that walks through the valley of the shadow of death. I just want to look at a couple other verses that would 
refer to that. You don't have to turn with me. I'm just going to briefly go through these. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. With my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The one that trusteth in the Lord instead of in our best friend here. So we heard a little bit about addictions this morning. And our Sunday school lesson went well with, with that. So I look up, and we all know what an addiction is, but a, a definition for addiction is a condition in which a person is unable to stop using a substance or engaging in a behavior. Unable to stop. That's an addiction. Now, I think I can relate to addictions in my past and maybe even in the present. So, are you able to stop using this? When's the last time we tried to stop using our smartphone? anybody went a full day in the last year or didn't look at it? How about 12 hours without checking my phone? And I'm as guilty as anybody else. So we think of time and our, our verse this morning about redeeming, redeeming the time that we, we had in uh, Ephesians 5. And like I said, this, the chapter there in Ephesians went very well with, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we need to walk circumspectly. And that's, uh, I think that means carefully. You know, I think the average American, it is said, spends five or six hours each day on his smartphone. Five or six hours. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're average, maybe you're below average, or maybe you're above average. But, you know, if we spend five or six hours on our phone each day, and we take that times... Um, Well, five or six hours times seven, and then we do all the math. You're spending about one or two, between one and two days a week, you're, you're on your phone. About one and a half days, probably. So that means you'd spend, like, if you take your Sunday, you'd be on all day Sunday, all through the day and night, and half day on Monday. Or, if you want to figure it in days, you'd be spending about 75 days out of the year on your phone. 75 days. And that's, I don't know what day we're in on this year, but... We're probably 50-some days in. So you take all of January, all of February, and maybe half of March. That's, that's the amount of time the average American spends on their smartphone. That's a lot of time invested. So is that redeeming our time? What does that look like? You know, we, we think of redeeming the time. Another translation, and it said something about it in our Sunday school book, 
about making good of every opportunity we have for God, for Him. So if we're spending that amount of time on our smartphone, is that being a good steward of what God has granted to us? Is that, are we going to be able to, to stand before God and give an account and do it with joy? You know, it says that we are, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And that's our desire that we're accepted of God. And it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's found in 2 Corinthians. So we labor. We, we make an effort to be acceptable in God's sight. I guess, yeah, my challenge is, are we redeeming the time that God has given us? Would we, would we take a challenge this morning and consider spending at least part of the time, part of the hours that we spend on our smartphone, our device, and use it maybe in God's Word, spending time in God's Word? Maybe next week, take an hour each day instead of being on here, spend an hour in God's word. Or maybe we could trade an hour for family time and spend an extra hour with our family each day instead of on our phone. Or maybe we could take an hour each day and love our neighbor as ourselves. Or maybe we could take an hour in prayer and intercede for those around you and for your church family. Or maybe we could take one hour each day and, and share the good news with somebody that doesn't know about Jesus Christ and share the love of God and tell them what he's done for you. I'm not sure if I listed six things there or not, but yeah, maybe we could do all of those. So what kind of content do we look at in the five or six hours each day that we're on here? What are we taking into our hearts and our minds? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 23, it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And I believe that was in last week's, can't say for certain, but last week's Sunday school lesson, we was talking about things that edify, things that build up. And so, you know, I want to be clear this morning that this device is not the problem. This, what you're seeing in my hand is not the problem. The problem is the internet, that it's accessible on this device. You know, because this, this device is very beneficial. It's a very helpful tool, it can be. I think we can all um, say that, and some of us are old enough 
to remember the day when we didn't carry one in our pocket every hour of the day and how life was different then. So how can it be beneficial? You know, I, I, uh, I can talk to my wife. I can talk to my children. I can talk to my church brothers. I can talk to people in another state, in another country. Any time of the day, I can pick it up and I can call them and talk to them. And that's, that's amazing. You know, we, we think back of the days when you had to send a letter to somebody and how it took a week to get back and forth. But now I can do that in seconds. I can talk to anybody in the world if they have their phone number. And that's beneficial. It can be. Especially in emergencies. If someone needs help or someone needs prayer, we have prayer lines and, and church lines that, that uh, yeah, these, these devices can be very beneficial. They can, we can reach out and have people praying all over. And at work, I'd be very lost at work without my phone because I can, I can order materials, I can check on prices, I can, yeah, just endless things that you can do. You can have a problem See Jaden back there. Sometimes I'm doing electrical and I need to know how to hook up something. I can just punch it in there and there it is. You can, you can get the answer. It's right there. Or maybe you have something going on with your cows and you need, a, you need an answer. You just Google it and the answer is there. Beneficial. This thing's my map. You know, I went to Ohio this weekend and I didn't have to unfold a paper map. I just punch it in and it tells me how to get there. This thing's my newspaper. I can read the news. This is my calendar. This is my watch. I know what time it is. This is my thermometer. This is my compass. And this can be my Bible. It can be all of these things. Right in your pocket, whenever you need it. That's great and that's helpful. But it can be a lot of other things too. That's a choice that we have to make. You know, and, and uh, it says that we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we have, we have a choice to make each day and each hour and each moment. What will we choose to click on? Now, we can kind of make excuses and we can justify why we look at certain things, but, you know, you, you come up here this morning and I hand you this phone and... You probably are not going to be able to get on there because you have to have my password. And it's very simple, and my children and my wife know it, but I make the little L shape, and then it opens up, and I can click on whatever app I want to. And that's your decision. That's my decision. We can, we can punch whatever we want to see on our phone. Nobody's, nobody's asking you. I know there's pop-ups, but we choose to click on what we want to click on. So is it good? Is it edifying, the things that we're looking at? And I, I know we talked a little bit at our at our uh, men's meeting about the things we look at and whether they're edifying or not. We probably all have different hobbies. Maybe as men, we have different things that we like to look at. And, you know, Google knows what you like to look at, and it'll send you those, those type of things. I'll, I'll just tell you, whenever I look at Google, it'll send me something about fishing or boundary waters or, or uh, yeah, just... Things that I'm interested in. It, it knows what I'm interested in. It knows what you're interested in. It keeps track of that. It sends you notifications of what you're interested in. And some of it's okay, but some of it is just simply 
information that you don't need to retain. And I, you know, I, I, I my mind went back to, to an individual, a, a person I used to be around, and his, and they would laugh at him and say his mind was full of useless information, and it really was. He would, he would rattle off dates of March the 14th, 1977, this happened, and it, it really had nothing to do with anything that, that we wanted to know about. He was just plumb, his mind was just completely full of useless information. And you know, we can, we can be that way by indulging in this, this type of information. Useless information. I, and I'll just I'll confess to you, one, one Sunday evening I was, I was looking about something about islands and, and I got on this thing of islands and just kept bringing more information. And yeah, it told me about this island out in Alaska that had reindeer on it that they populated and they starved themselves out. And you know, I, I read that and I was kind of intrigued by that. And yeah, and then it told me about an island out in the Indian Ocean that some missionary went to and he got, he tried to go there and witness to the people and he got killed. And you know, all this information you can, you can take in and take in and take in. And it's just endless, what all you can look at. But is it really edifying? Is it beneficial? I don't know. Is it going to help me in eternity? What about social media? And I, I don't know enough about social media to even talk about it because I don't have it, but I'm not up to date on it, and I don't even know what all the, the sites are. But I'm sure there's some good social media, and I'm sure that there's some that's not so good. And here's a quote I heard. It says, social media is all about what I am getting. Post for others to see in hopes that others say something about it, and it's self-focused. And I heard, you know, years ago, somebody told me of, of social media, you have two kinds of people. You have the ones that everything's going right. Everything's going right. I mean, simply, nothing goes wrong. Everything's glorious. And you have the kind that everything's wrong. And I don't know if that's the case or not. But either one can be a hindrance to other people because there's a pretty good chance that not everything is going glorious in your life. There's probably moments that are not exactly the way you want them to be. 1 Peter 4, 15, was a verse that comes to my mind when I think of social media. It's talking about suffering. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now, it's kind of strange that it would list a murderer and a thief and an evildoer, and also a busybody in other men's matters, all in the same verse. But then it says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So, yeah. We don't, we don't need to suffer as, as a busybody in other men's matters. What about chat rooms and forums, and I don't know what all they're called, that are Christian, that, that we can go to to get answers to all of our questions that we have in the Bible? You know, some time ago I was working with a, a group of men and and I realized that in talking to them that they, 
went to the same church as another man that I knew longer and I'm familiar with. And I asked him, I said, so what, what happened to Daniel? Did he still go to your church? And I said, no, he, he don't go to church with us anymore. I said, so what happened to Daniel? And the guy looked hurt. He said, he don't know what happened to Daniel. What he does know is he was teaching Sunday school. And Daniel went on the internet to get his information, and Daniel got really mixed up. Daniel doesn't go to church anywhere, and neither does his family. So I think it's good for us to be aware of what, what sites we're on, what we take in. Because not everything that's on there is true. I can assure you that. Who is influencing you? Who are we getting our answers from? Do they have the same values that we have? Do they have the same convictions? What about what we post on the internet? What we ask or what we say, our comments. How are they influencing others and how are they impacting others? Could I be a stumbling block by what I, play, what I post on social media? Now, a thought that came to me this week, and I know it was just Valentine's week, but I believe that many, when they receive a gift or they receive flowers or whatever, they post it on social media for others to see. But I would like for you to consider this morning, and for myself, what if you was a widow? What if you was recently lost your spouse, and you so desire to, to get a gift from your spouse? Or what if you recently broke up in a relationship? What kind of feelings do you cause in people whenever you do that? Are they edifying? Are they helping that, that one that's struggling alone? Just a thought. And a big one is... In Ephesians 5, it says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, but let it not once be named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Goes on to say, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And have no proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And then in verse 12 it says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. And that's the, the thing with pornography. And smartphones. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy. It's so accessible. You can, you can go on here and get any, any kind of site you want to. It's different than in the days when you had to have a magazine. And you can do it in secret. You can do it in secret. You can be in your room or, or driving down the road or wherever you are away from other people. It's so accessible. And it's affordable. It doesn't, I don't think it costs you anything.
But it says, let it not once be named among the saints. And you know, as, as I read verse 5, for this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, which I believe would include pornography, nor covetous man, which because I, I think could be, I think we see a lot of covetous men and women because of social media and not having what others have, who is an idolater and what? What does that mean to be an idolater? Whenever I put something more important than God, whenever something is robbing me of time I should be spending with God, could this be an idol? Could this be something that I place in front of God? I guess the test would be, who do I spend more time with? It's serious. So what do our phones do, do to us physically? You know, there's a lot, in, the, in I don't know when it was, maybe a year or two ago, they passed a law on distracted driving. Distracted driving, and that's, you, you can no longer text and drive. And why is that? Does anybody know why you might, they might make that illegal? <coughs> Have you ever been following somebody down the four lane and, and you see them there, they're off the road and then they're back on the road and across the center line and then you pass them and they're, they're doing this. See, the human mind can only focus on one thing at a time. You can really only focus on one thing at a time. Whether it's the road in front of you or it's the phone in front of you, one or the other. You can, you know, people get pretty good at, at maybe doing a little bit of both, but you, you just get good at, at, at switching your focus from one to the other really quick is what I'm told. You don't actually, you're not able to focus on both of them at the same time. And I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you are able to. But, yeah, so they make that illegal to have distracted driving. And also I think you're... You're supposed to have a hands-free driving. So do you think that that could, that could come into to play in our, our spiritual life as well? That we could be distracted by this in a way that we would not be able to, to uh, properly hear from God? I read another quote that said, Satan doesn't care what he distracts you with as long as he's got your focus and it's not on God. Isn't that true? As long as he's got your focus, you can only focus on one thing at a time. As long as he's got your focus on something other than God, then he has you. He's got your focus away from God. The phones are, I believe, to blame on less face-to-face -face conversations and being able to, to just talk to others and also to help others. And I, I didn't really realize this, but, you know, it's, I believe it, that it's true. We're not, we're not too likely to stop along the road and help somebody with a flat tire anymore, are we? Or they got their hood open. Because what's the excuse that I use? He's got a phone. He's probably already called somebody. That does, I don't know if that excuses us being a good Samaritan or not. So having our focus on God and not having our focus other places. In 1 Kings 19, we read of Elijah, and, and he was wanting, God was wanting to speak to him, and he was hiding in a cave there, and, and uh, Elijah was looking for him in the storm and in the fire and the earthquake, 
But God spoke to him in a still, small voice. In a still, small voice. So, are we able to hear that still, small voice when God is calling us? You know, I've tried to talk to people, and I've, people have tried to talk to me, and whenever I'm invested in this, or when they're invested in this, and I say, hey, could you come help me with this? And, you know, it seems like the still, small voice, or the, the voice that you're asking them to do something is not heard. How much more when God is trying to speak to us and we're focused on something other than him and his word? Yeah, what does it do to us physically? Causes discontentment, anxiety, and depression. I think it's a big cause of, of those. And then I'm sure there's a, a lot could be said, maybe a whole message on what is our responsibility as parents to our children. And we probably have our own own. Uh, guidelines and things that we, we do in our homes. Maybe it's a certain age or a certain type of phone at a certain time. But, you know, when I read Ephesians, it says, well, it says, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then before that, it was some verses that say, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And I heard a little story shared about children and, and training our children. And it was said that there's over in the Bangladesh or wherever where they have the little platforms and the walkways where their, their livelihoods are, are made on fishing and, and being out on the open sea. It says the, the, the parents there teach their children how to swim before they learn how to walk because of the constantly being exposed to the water. And yeah, my challenge, I guess, to myself and to, to uh, you as parents, are we teaching our children to swim and navigate through these obstacles before we give them one? Or we do we just hand it to them and say, do what's right? And I thought about bringing me a garbage bag along and, and uh, pulling out a whole bunch of garbage that's on here that we could be handing our children when we hand them a cell phone. Maybe it's a, it's a magazine with filthy pictures and, and a, yeah, just, you know the filth that's on here. All of these things that we hand to our children and say, use that in a responsible way. So I think of the words of Peter, and he says, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And I think he says, repent. I don't know how it is for you. I know how it is for me with my smartphone. But I think it's time for a change. I think it's time that we, we uh, realize the capability that this device has on our souls. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, yeah, if we have misused this, we need to repent and ask God to help us. Now, you often see the little stickers that say WWJD. What would Jesus do? And my, I really had to think about that when it comes to smartphones. What would Jesus do? If he was here today, 
If he was living in this day, would Jesus have a smartphone? You think he would own one? Draven says no. If he did have one, how would he use it? If Jesus had a cell phone, how would he use it? What would he use it for? Would Jesus be on social media? Or would he already know what you're doing? I think he would. How much time would he spend on his smartphone if Jesus had a smartphone? What would he look at? What would he post? What kind of posts would Jesus have? I bet they'd be good ones. He had some. Philippians 4 says it like this, that finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. So here's a list of things that we should think on these things. So that should be a good guide for what we want to look at on our cell phones. Things that are pure, honest, just, true, and have a good report and are lovely. We're to, if we look at those things, that's what we're going to be thinking on. So that's a, that's a nice nice little list of, of things that we can be, be looking at on our, on our cell phones. That way our thoughts would be turned toward that. Also, I think of Romans, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. Now, I think probably most of us come from homes where we didn't, we didn't have TVs and radios. And what, what was the, why did our parents do that? was because they probably thought there was some dangers on those items. But now we have this little device that has that and more. Are we, are we allowing that to shape our children's lives? Are we allowing that to speak to them, to, to uh, guide them? So we can have filters. I think there's some good filters out there. I don't know hardly anything about filters that can, can give us some some uh, accountability or help us not to get on the wrong sites. But I, I don't think they're completely uh, foolproof. I think you can probably get around filters from what I've heard. But what is a, what do we need then to make sure we stay on track with our smartphone? And I think Dean shared it very well in Sunday school. And that's a heart that's in tune with God. A heart that's seeking God, wanting God, and nothing else. A life that is being led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God within us. You know, that one of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. Being able to not look at this thing and click on something that is going to be a, a problem for my soul. I'd like to close in Matthew 5. 
If you have your cell phone with you today, your smartphone, I'd like for you to pick it up for just a little bit. Act like you're getting ready to use it. In Matthew 5, 29, it gives us some advice. It says, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should, cast, should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And you use your right hand and your right eye when you're on your phone, don't you? So what's, how serious is Jesus about this type of thing? He says it's profitable to get rid of your right eye, to get rid of your right hand, rather than your whole body to be cast into hell. I'm not sure if he was talking about a smartphone there, but I think it fits quite well. In Matthew 16, it says, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall, will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit of? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What will we give in exchange for our soul? Will we trade something like this in exchange for our soul? I believe that we can. So I ask you this morning, who is your best friend? Is it God or is it Google? Where do I go when I need help? Where do I turn when I need a friend? I trust that all of us go to Jesus Christ. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the one that, there my phone falls on the floor, and that's just fine. That's probably where it belongs. But he's the one that can give us true hope and true peace and not a lie from Satan. With these thoughts, let's kneel for prayer. God, Heavenly Father, we pause before you. We thank you, Lord, for being with us. And Lord, we thank you for your warning in my life and in the lives of each one here that realizing in the day that we live in, there's an opportunity to be distracted. There's an opportunity to lose focus on you and to focus on the cares of this life and maybe the things that Satan would have to offer us. But Lord, I pray for each one of the souls here this morning that we could truly evaluate our lives and see where we stand with you. And I just pray that we could love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we would not allow these, these things to come and hinder us and keep us from serving you and from loving you and loving those around us. And Lord, I just pray you would forgive us where we have failed. You keep us in your care, and I, I pray this morning for those who couldn't be here that you would uh, be with them also, wherever they are. Pray for those who are sick and those who have lost loved ones. Touch them, comfort them in their time of need. Lord, as, a, as we depart from here, I pray that you would help us to go forward for the new challenge, that we would redeem the time. That we would make good on every opportunity that you would give us. That we could stand before you, and that you would, you would see us as acceptable. And that's only through your blood of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us, Lord. All this we pray.